but today I had a lovely uh, meal for Mother's Day and then I fell asleep. Um, and I've been asleep since a, uh, until about 10 past five. And then all of a sudden I was here and I drove myself. I don't know how. That wasn't safe. Um, so I feel like, I was uh, um, saying before to Steffi, I feel like a child that's been picked out of their bed and just put somewhere. And all of a sudden I'm here and I'm like, oh, I've got a job to do. So, um, so work with me, okay, if I start to fall asleep. I also... Um, drank a very large coffee to try and wake myself up. It didn't work. What it did do is make me need a wee. So, if, like my dog, I start walking around in circles and scratching my feet, just take me outside, okay? Um, but it did make me think. Um, I was talking to somebody today um, about uh, the idea of time and how time uh, is ever-changing and um, how... It goes really fast the older you get. So when you're three years old, a year is a third of your life. Right? I'm 30 years old. A year is one thirtieth of my life. Okay? So one thirtieth goes a lot faster than a third. So the older you get, the quicker it feels like time is moving. I can't believe that we're already staring down the barrel of April. Like... It genuinely feels like yesterday we were singing Christmas carols. And it won't be long till we're singing Christmas carols again. Yeah. I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure there is some sad person out there who's counted all of the days it is until Christmas. 280. Um, <laughs> meaning, we're only 75, well, we're already, sorry, 75 days into 2023. And on Friday, I was at Lamar. Uh, and I was speaking to um, one of my friends who works there as a teacher, and we were listening to music, um, and randomly, one of the next songs, um, I don't know it, but it was a song from the soundtrack of Cars, um, which is a film. Some of you might remember that film. It's a, an animated film about these cars that have eyes and can talk, Lightning McQueen, and they have some kind of adventure, and it was really popular when it came out. Um, and as we listened to it, I was like, oh... This film must be seven years old or something by now. It must be, it must be quite old. Um, anyone know how old that film is? Oh, close. 2006. 17 years old. And the reason I looked it up was because um, one of the young people, one of the year 11s, said, oh, I love Cars. She wasn't even born when Cars came out. I remember it. And... Um, it's interesting that at this time of year, at Easter, the season of renewal, rebirth, during spring when flowers start to pop up and lovely baby lambs are born uh, and go to slaughter, we often start to look <laughs> back. Um, and when I think back to 2006, I was in year nine, and I was this little ball of anxiety. A rule follower, I love a rule, they're great. Um, and I always, I had this brilliant talent. We've all got gifts. One of my gifts is um, staying smack bang in the middle of average. Okay, I'm, I'm excellent at being right in the middle. Um, and I was thinking about this, um, thinking about being at school, whilst I was writing this talk, and I thought of three specific occasions um, of things that happened, two at school, one at university, and it really helped me to write this talk. So... Today I want to talk about pride, I want to talk about arrogance, um, I want to talk about being a little bit too happy 
at your own accomplishments um, and how, although there is a place for that, okay, there is a time when you're allowed to be happy with yourself and think, actually, I did all right there. Um, it shouldn't be something you do regularly. It shouldn't be a ground well trodden. It shouldn't be part of your character. We need to use it in moderation. So I've tried to boil it down. I think there are three main negative effects of pride so far. Two of them affect those around you, and one of them affects yourself. And I'll talk about each of them. So, to begin with, I want to talk to you about a kid in my class that I remember very well when I was at school. And I won't, I won't use his name on the off chance he stumbles across this Spotify uh, podcast and hears it, because it might upset him. But I can guarantee you that although this kid went to my school with me in England you will all be able to remember somebody from your childhood, whether they were in your class or in your school or on your road growing up, you'll remember someone just like him. I'm going to call him Fred. His name's not Fred. Fred was a nice enough kid. He didn't try too hard at school, but he did well enough to get the grades. He, uh, he wasn't the best sportsman in the world, but he liked football. He was never picked last. From the outside, he was a nice, well-rounded, normal kid. But Fred had something wrong with him. Fred had an affliction, a terrible affliction. He had something I like to call black cat syndrome. And if you've never heard of it before, I'm sure you've met someone who has it. Black cat syndrome sufferers are those people who have to be the best. If you tell them you've got a black cat, they've got a blacker cat. If you tell them that you ran a mile, they ran five. If you tell them that you're going on holiday to Spain, it turns out that their dad is not only very high up in the Spanish Secret Service, but also owns several properties across Europe and they go to all of them all the time. You know the type. People tend to grow out of that. You know them as kids and then you meet them as adults and then they're fine. Uh, but the, the problem is the outward pride that comes with that. His massively high opinion of himself it was really transparent. It was clear that he was lying. No one met Fred and said, oh, wow, you know, oh, you ran five miles in three minutes. That's really impressive. Congratulations. They knew he was lying. But he thought that people would believe him. You wouldn't tell those lies if you thought people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't believe you. He thought it would make people love him. He thought people would admire him. He thought people would look up to him and want to be his friends. When in reality... It made us not like him very much. So that's the first side effect of pride, is that it just makes people not like you very much. People don't really want to be around that. As Christians, we're taught to love without prejudice. But loving someone and liking someone are not the same thing. It's Mother's Day today. I was meant to ring my mum, but I fell asleep. She, I text her, sorry, I'll, I'll ring you tomorrow. I've got to go to work now. And she said, it's okay. For Mother's Day, you've given me the gift of peace. Um, <laughs> but my mother can attest better than anyone else, and I'm sure there are mothers in here, do not say anything, but there will be mothers in here, fathers in here, who think, I love my child, I cannot love them anymore. I love them to the ends of the world and back, but sometimes I don't like them very much. Sometimes when they're naughty and they're screaming and they're shouting and they're throwing things, you think, I don't really want to be around you. Love and like are not the same. 
So as I was thinking about Fred and the topic of pride, I was reminded about the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector. So I'm going to read it to you now, um, and we'll talk about how they link up. So this is from Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 9. He also told this parable, he is Jesus, he also told this parable to someone who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So Jesus is telling a story um, to people who believed that they were without sin and they looked down on people who they believed to have sin. Not Jesus. Jesus didn't think they had sin. They thought those people had sin. Uh, And just before we go on, a Pharisee is a person... Back in Jesus' day, he was part of, he, they were a Jewish person, very strict. Um, and people would have known them, probably looked up to them. So two men uh, went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So that last sentence, really important. Um, What it's saying is that anyone who puts themselves on a pedestal, who lifts themselves up, will be humbled. They'll be brought back down by God during the judgment. They'll be taught a lesson. Those who are already humble, who can see their imperfections, understand that with God's help they can improve, will be lifted up to God. I want to talk about the Pharisee. There's... Something about what he said to the tax collector, it's the way it's written. The tax collector is near him. He can hear everything that the Pharisee is saying. And there's a really unkind tone to what he says. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. To me, it sounds like after that, there should be like a, you know, like, I'm not like you, actually. I'm really great. And then he carries on, he says... I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. My dad is bigger than your dad. My dad could beat your dad in a fight. My cat's blacker than your cat. Pride has a real childish edge to it. It makes those around you dislike you. We don't know this Pharisee, and we're taught to love everyone, but just with that parable, it's pretty hard to. Okay? Because we've got this immature man stood in front of us telling these story, uh, saying these things. Second side effect of pride, another kid, another story. Uh, This one I didn't go to school with, um, but we were the same age, so we were at school at the same time. A town I'm from has two schools. Has a uh, one school, which used to be a grammar school, um, before the 11 plus uh, was abolished in England, and then it became an academy straight away, so it's a very nice school. Uh, And then there's a comprehensive school, a bit rough around the edges, um, not quite metal detectors, but did have huge metal fences all the way around. Um, but I think, in my opinion, it was much nicer. It was a much nicer environment, and partly because I not only went there, but I also taught there. But it was just a better school, in my opinion. Um, so this kid, Barney, 
um, he went to the nice fancy school. And his, because um, his parents were quite well off. And there's nothing wrong with that. They had worked really hard for, for their money. They had, he hadn't. But he went to, um, to the nice school. And he had a relatively easy life. And we can't be um, angry, can't hold that against him. Because it's not his fault, he didn't choose it, right? I met him on the night that we got our GCSE results. I'm not sure if it's a thing anymore or if it's a thing in Guernsey, but in England, the night's always a Thursday. You get your GCSE results and everyone floods the town. You see all of the people in the same year as you from the different schools. You all go down the park, loiter, and then you all go back to someone's house, camp in the back garden. It's like a big deal. Um, so I was walking around the park with my friends, um, and in all honesty, I was, I was feeling proud of myself. Not obnoxiously, um, I think it was appropriate pride, which does exist. Um, I don't come from an ac academic background. My mum is amazing. I love her very much. She's extremely supportive in everything I do. But she never put any pressure on us about school. She didn't like school. She didn't do very well in school. She left when she was 15. Her, expect her expectations on me when I went to school was be good, be polite, turn up. Stay out of trouble. That was it. There was no, you have to get this grade. You have to get that grade. So when I got my GCSE results, I got, in old money, three Ds, five Cs, and three Bs. New grades don't translate over exactly, but it's roughly threes and fives and a couple of sixes, which are right in the middle. Very average, like I said, right in the middle of average. And that's where I'd have put myself, and I was happy with that. And my mum, bless her, she was overjoyed. She'd never seen such good GCSE results in the family. That was until three years later when my little brother went to school, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, but then I met Barney. He had a different kind of pride to Fred. He wasn't outwardly lying to people because he had a high opinion of himself. He had been brought up in an environment where competition was normal where there was a correct way of doing things. Within minutes of meeting me, as every kid was doing that day, uh, he asked me what my results were, and I told him. And his instinct reaction, he didn't think of this and try and upset me, just his instinct reaction was to laugh and say, oh, I bet your mum was really angry. She wasn't. She was really proud of me. It wasn't intentionally mean, but he was looking down on people. He knew his own grades, and he thought he was better than other people who didn't have the same life as him, that were worse off than him. Me and Barney are now very good friends. I love him to bits. Um, but when it happened, I felt awful. I was happy with what I'd achieved, and in a heartbeat, he had brought me down to earth. That's the second effect of pride. Your pride... Your arrogance, your actions can hurt other people. They can hurt the people around you and make them feel really awful about things that are outside of their control, that they can't help. And you don't even know it. You might not even know it. You might not sit there and think, oh, I've really upset that person, because you don't realise. Imagine how that tax collector felt. He was in a temple, praying to a God in his own way, worshipping. Someone next to him was making him feel unworthy making him feel less, feel other. Our own actions, our own sin, have repercussions outside of our immediate understanding. 
So, so far, we've had two negative effects of pride, people disliking you and your actions hurting other people. We're going to just look at one more. This is about the effects on your own life when you're prideful. So I'm going to share something very, very personal with you all now. And I trust uh, that as you are all very kind people and very forgiving people, that you won't hold it against me. And it's not as if this is being recorded and I'm about to go out on the internet. But for three years, whilst I was at university, I studied ballet. It was a part of my degree in performing arts. I didn't have a choice, but it was compulsory. I hated it. The shoes, didn't like the shoes. I didn't like the moves we had to do. First position, if you're wondering, is that? There you go, that's a very good first position. I hated the tights. I didn't say I looked bad in them, I just didn't like them. But actually, I became quite good at it. Um, in as much as I, uh, I could just about scrape a grade one. And for those of you who don't know, if you want to know what grade one ballet looks like, you can go on a Saturday and watch four-year-olds doing it at Beausajour. Um, but because I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, um, and always have been, my hips are naturally sort of bent outwards slightly. And that's what happens when you're bigger. Um, my mum would say that I'm pigeon-footed. Right? My feet just naturally point outwards. Um, my very well-to-do and highly professional ballet teacher said that I had a natural turnout, which I think sounds much better. Um, and I heard this compliment. I really didn't want to do dance. I can hold a tune. I loved acting. Performing arts, two out of three. Right? Even Meatloaf said that wasn't bad. So I thought, I'm going to do it. And that, that dance, I had to do it every single day. Ballet, jazz, tap. And I found myself just getting used to it, getting into the, um, getting into the, uh, I don't know what we call it, the pattern of it, okay, the groove, yeah, that was a good joke. Um, and I became a bit arrogant about it because actually I could hold a tune, so I knew a bit of music, so I was able to follow along, and then I was told by this professionally trained ballet dancer that I had a natural turnout. I was filled with pride. I thought... I, me, was gift, uh, God's gift to ballet. I thought, this is it, right? This is where I'm going in life. And I gloated a lot. It probably came from insecurity. But I made sure everyone knew what Val, the ballet teacher, had said to me, especially the girls in the year above me who I was showing off to, not realising that some of them really, really struggled with their turnout not realising that I wasn't showing them the best version of myself, not realising that they would ask to see it, and it wasn't very good, actually. That one display of pride cost me friends, created a persona that I wasn't ready to fulfil, and more than that, it made me self-conscious. Self-conscious of dancing again in front of people. It was compulsory. This was in my first year. I had to do it for two more years after that had to attend these lessons five days a week. And because of what I had done in my first year, because of the pride that I had showed people, I was paying that price. When we compare ourselves to other people, we're putting unnecessary pressure on ourselves. It's not good. But when we compare ourselves to ourselves, we're only highlighting our failures. Matthew 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray... 
Do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees you, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you uh, do RE at school now, one of the first things you learn about Christianity is that God is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. It means he's everywhere. He knows everything and he is all powerful. He knows your heart. When you pray at home, he hears that just as loudly as if you were to stand up and pray in front of a thousand people. He sees your good deeds as soon as you make them, not an hour later when you post them on Facebook. He knows exactly your intentions when you do things. And if they're not to honour him, they're only to honour yourself. So, another talk, another challenge. Um, I'm sure most of us are familiar with Friends, the TV show, Friends, yeah? Um, There's an episode in Friends where uh, Phoebe and Joey are having a debate about whether or not there is um, such a thing as a truly selfless act. Um, And it's uh, very funny and very long, so we won't get into it. But the punchline of the episode is that when you do something good for somebody, even in secret, it makes you feel good about yourself, which is selfish, okay? So I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I'm going to ask you to do something similar. I want you, for your challenge, to pray in secret this week. Um, Some of you already do. And I'm not asking for an endurance challenge. I'm not asking you to pray every day for an hour a day for an entire year. Just that you go home tonight, pray to God for forgiveness, to forgive you for your pride and to pray for strength to guide you when you feel it bubbling up inside you so you don't let that out, so you don't hurt the people around you with your pride, so you don't hurt yourself with your pride. Um, I'm just going to ask the band to come up and the... um, the response team are going to be over here in the corner um, because as we go back into a time of worship, uh, I'd just like you to have a think. If you think you are particularly prideful, there are people who want to pray with you, who want to help you. If you feel you want to go home tonight and in secret pray, but you don't know how to pray, just come up and pray with someone over here. Just come up and pray with someone about anything. It doesn't have to be about pride. It can just be that you hope you have a good week. But talk to them, ask them to pray with you, and they will, they will teach you, they'll model, they'll show you how you can, um, how you can pray. Um, but first, we'll pray together, uh, and then we'll go back into a time of worship. So uh, those of you who are able, if you could stand for me, please. Lord, Thank you that we have the opportunity to meet here every Sunday. That we have this chance to reflect on our lives together on this earth and to help us keep on track, to make sure everything we do is working towards your kingdom, Lord. That we can be exactly how you intended us to be. I pray, Lord, that this week we're able to acknowledge our innate pride, our selfish acts, and that we're able to control them that we are able to stop ourselves from raising our own name up above yours and that we may help those around us who have been hurt by our pride, by our actions. In Jesus' name, amen.